Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough Winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 62 of the That's So Mets podcast. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe DeMeo, and some pretty big news in the Mets world. Louis Rojas is out as manager. They are moving on because technically his contract was set to expire at the end of the month. The Mets are giving him advance notice, and if he wants to leave the organization, he can. If he wants to stay in an undisclosed role, he can also do that, but the point is the Mets will have a new manager for the 2022 season, along with, more importantly and first to come, a new president of baseball operations, and we did an instant reaction on the That's So Mets YouTube channel, so if you want to check it out there, you can see my face, you can see Joe's face, you can hear our discussion on Rojas and what's next. We'll do a little bit of that today, and we'll really dive into the search for the president of baseball ops, how that could lead to a manager or which manager that can lead to, and of course, a pretty loaded mailbag that is everything Mets related today. So Joe, let's bring you in. I feel like I just talked to you an hour ago because we are churning out content. What's going on? Everything's good. I mean, yeah, definitely check out that YouTube video. Um we're going to be hopping on that for everything that happens when the Mets hire a president of baseball operations, unless it happens at five o'clock on a Tuesday, <laughs> we're going to be hopping on the YouTube right away to to talk about it. So definitely check that out. And yeah, excited for a very eventful offseason that is just getting started for the Mets. And um, certainly, while maybe some other podcasts take the winner off, uh, that's so Mets does not. We will be here every week covering all the rumors, just everything like we did last offseason. So really excited. Yeah, to each their own. I, you and I always say it, though. This is our favorite time of the year. I, I mean, for real. I know it's crazy to sit there and say that when baseball is being played, and maybe it's because the Mets traditionally have not had a lot of winning seasons recently, and maybe that will change when they start to win. But we love doing the pod when it's about team building, uh, team process, hiring, and what better time to, you know, we got a we got a pretty good hint of it last year, the Lindor trade, a couple signings, but now it's going to be bigger and better than ever with a basically a new face of this entire baseball operation, followed by a new manager and followed by their acquisitions. And, and there are there's going to be a lot of turnover this year. So this is the time to cover it. And like Joe said, for the instant reaction things that are just, you know, not on our recording day, which is always Tuesday in the evening, we are going to be on YouTube and we are going to be firing away. And then for the long form conversation, that's going to be here every single Wednesday. Or if you're one of those late night Tuesday people that wants the pod as soon as it comes out, it often comes out Tuesdays around eight Eastern time. So with that being said, episode 62, the Drew Smith episode, Drew Smith quietly and I feel like this is somebody that I know you've been, you know, somewhat excited for for a little bit. Uh, he comes back in 2021 and has a 
a great season, quite frankly. In 31 games, a, a 2.4 ERA, uh, striking out about nine batters over nine innings. Drew Smith really um, ha- has been a nice player. So for a number in 62 that is traditionally never even worn for the Mets, besides a, a couple of different players that have had a cup of coffee, Drew Smith holding it down with the number 62. What was your what was your uh, you know prospect evaluation of him, Joe? When they got Drew Smith, I thought he was the highest upside of the relievers that they traded for. If you recall that uh, deadline, they just traded for all reliever prospects. Uh, they When they sent Addison Reed to the Red Sox, they got Jamie Callahan and Gerson Bautista, and then another guy that I feel bad for getting him, but another reliever prospect that clearly did not make it, um, Drew Smith had the highest upside. They got him from Tampa Bay for Lucas Duda, of course. Um, Dallas Baptist grad, same as this year's third round pick, Dominic Hamill. Um, Fellow Dallas Cowboy fan. So yeah, Drew Smith is good in my books and he's uh, certainly under team control and uh, in my opinion should be in a prime spot to have a opening day bullpen job in 2022. Yeah, and that could be pretty key, honestly, when you look at some of the guys that'll be, you know, whether they're retained or whether they're out the door, there's probably going to be an opening, and Drew Smith would be the guy that you'd look to right away. We know, you know, Diaz and Trevor May um, and Lugo, they're going to be here, but you do have players, you know, Loop, we hope, is back, but Familia is going to be an expiring contract. There's going to be some room, and, and Drew Smith has shown, you know, 31 games is a big sample size for a reliever, and he was tremendous so he's the most notable of the 62s all right let's get right into it um like I said we'll briefly discuss Rojas again as we did on YouTube this was a move that no matter what you think of Rojas which I think Joe you and I probably defend him as much as anyone does that follows this team um and you and I both were you know openly admitted that September was a bad month and that just because of the clean slate needed with the new president of baseball ops coming in. This was the right move to make. Now, with the dust settling, when you look at this, uh, is there any, you know, I kind of find this stupid, but I guess it's a conversation that is flowing. Is there any, like, concern that, like, Rojas can go on and be a great manager and that the Mets screwed this up? Or do you think at the end of the day this is something that just no matter what you're worried about, this had to happen because of where they are as a franchise? I think it's both, to be honest. I think Rojas still has really high upside as a manager, and if situations were different, I would have been willing to give him another opportunity. Um, But certainly, with everything cleaning out at the top, you have to give that person the opportunity to make their own slate, their own coaching staff, their own vision. Um, It feels like it'd be very Wilponian, I think is the term I'm going to use, to force somebody on a new front office member. So I think the the right move is move on from Louie. Um, certainly wish him the best and a great guy. You know, he's been around the organization for 15 years. He managed at every level, every homegrown player that you've seen on the major league roster over the last handful of years. Rojas what, probably managed them at some point in their minor league journey. And, you know, he's a really, really good guy and you don't, often see so much especially from like beat writers who very much stick to the all i do is report thing 
um, all of them came out with glowing things to say about Rojas. So I think Ross has a future. Um, I think what he should do if I were <laughs> advising him is leave the Mets organization. I'm sure he could get a job on a coaching staff somewhere, whether that's a bench coach or something to that extent. And, you know, continue that path to wanting to be a manager. Uh, you know, staying with the Mets, I think he'd probably end up in, you know, a minor league coordinator or a player development role. And I mean, that's not what Rojas is or was. Rojas has been a manager for 15 years. And to me, he's a guy that should be pursuing managing. But, you know, if he goes out there and there's nothing, you know, come on back. You know, I'd, I'd be happy to take him. But for the sake of him, I think the Mets did the right thing in electing to not pick up the option right after the season ended. So he has the opportunity to go pursue other things because uh, the Mets, if they really wanted to, could have held him until Halloween and, you know, had him around. So that way, when the new baseball ops person comes in, they can make that decision. But I think they were just doing right by Rojas and right by the organization and, you know, just move forward. And, you know, the manager, the new manager pursuit, we'll, we'll see what that really comes to. You know, I saw the Vegas betting odds or whatever that came out today with Beltron as the favorite and just some random names on there, which were pretty funny. Uh, Ridiculous. You, you just, you just can't, you just can't think about the manager without a president of baseball operations. And if the Mets are doing so, then they're not heading in the right direction. There should be in that room with Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson, they shouldn't even be talking about a manager. They should just be like, all right, setting up time with Theo Epstein, supposedly per the New York Post that they may talk this week. Um, all right, let's get to Oakland and ask for permission for Billy Bean. And you're going to have to wait on David Stearns. If that's even a possibility, you'll have to wait for that permission. So that should be the focus. And then once that person or those people are brought in for interviews and things like that, I would say, who do you envision as your manager? And that's when the manager conversation should start. Yeah, I think it's perfectly said is that, you know, no matter how many candidate lists you read or on and on and on, none of them hold any weight right now unless you draw out scenarios. And this goes on in most sports, quite frankly. And when it doesn't, a.k.a. ownership getting involved in separately picking each thing and not aligning guys, that's when problems often start to rise. So we know the obvious one here, right? The one where you go, you know, if they if they can make a play for Billy Bean and we all expect them to, we think that priority A would be to acquire, once again, acquire, not hire, because you do need to acquire him, would be Bob Melvin, which you and I have both said is almost the no-brainer of all the scenarios. And quite frankly, the most intriguing part of hiring or one of the most intriguing parts of hiring Billy Bean to me is the potential acquisition of Bob Melvin that could follow. Now, the only other name or two names, I guess, that we know this team is probably going to target is Theo Epstein, who they don't have to wait around and do anything because Theo is not operating under a team contract right now. He's free to speak. And then David Stearns from Milwaukee, which is the opposite of Epstein, where you might wait for him the longest because you have to wait until Milwaukee's out of the postseason. Is there, and this might not even be a fair question, but is there any you know, connection you can make with Epstein or Stearns 
to managers, or do you think those are situations that are complete wild cards if one of them was brought in? I mean, I don't really know the Milwaukee Brewers coaching staff or development staff, but you would imagine that uh, if they were to hire a guy like Stearns, he'd be pulling from Milwaukee along with him. Um, Theo Epstein has connections with the Red Sox, connections with the Cubs. All of baseball. uh, All of baseball, but notably those two teams were ones he worked with. Uh, Certainly two of those guys uh, were here (laughs) and and are not anymore, or at least unlikely to be anymore with Zach Scott. Uh, I, I don't really know. I, to me, I think the manager thing's completely up in the air. Um, they just, to me, have to get this president of baseball operations thing right. And uh, I think this is a test to Steve Cohen, to be totally honest with you. Uh, if if the short list that is out there is true, as you know, we've said, Theo Epstein, Billy Bean, David Stearns, if that's short list, Steve Cohen needs to show that he has the ability to hire one of those guys. I mean, last year, all right, we made excuses. You know, there was COVID. It was later in the offseason, yada, yada, this, that, and all these excuses, and they ended up falling down their list, falling down their list. And, you know, I thought Jared Porter was going to do a really good job, so I'm not going to be, you know, rude and say, like, uh, they settled for Jared Porter, but he was not near the top of their preferred list. And if they go a second year where they're dipping out of their preferred candidates, I think that... That's something. That's something to be concerned about. Right. It it would be, especially year number two in a row. Now, knowing those are the three guys that, you know, we really have on the radar right now, I find it interesting. And don't get me wrong. Their resumes speak for themselves. You know, you've sold me in the past on David Stearns for multiple reasons. I I would prefer not only just because he's a local guy, but a young guy that's that's chomping at the bit to, you know, not only get that first World Series, but, you know, to come in and, and this is his clean slate and his first, you know, kind of full shot. I know his role with the Brewers and I know all of that, but let's be real. If he came to the Mets, that would be he's 36 years old. It would be a situation where it's like, OK, this guy might be here for God. I, I hate to get ahead of myself, but someone like that, you can go, he might be here for. 10 to 20 years we don't even know where with Theo it feels like a you know come in and and go for it which is strange because I believe he bottomed out with I know the Cubs bottomed out they they were in last place his first three years there as they took on a full rebuild I'd have to really go back to look at the Red Sox situation and then obviously Billy Bean is a guy that on the on the flip side has been the master of you know, the Rays have done this too recently, but Bean has mastered a low-budget team uh, succeeding and not winning a World Series, let's be fair, but definitely punching above their weight class and having more success than they are projected to compared to what their budget and overall salary uh, can be and the restraints that come with that. So kind of three different guys in my eye how do you really in a almost elevator pitch evaluate these three and how you kind of prefer their fit here overall? So first off, what's going to be really important. um, I know that there is a concern in baseball that Steve Cohen is George Steinbrenner, the good parts and the bad parts. Um, Nowadays, people very much prefer comfort 
job security, um, maybe not quite the same pressure that the Mets are going to put. Uh, I know that when I was talking to someone in the game about these three people specifically, they said a guy like Billy Bean might be more willing to deal with it. Is Theo really wanting to get back into baseball operations? There's very there's a lot of doubts that Theo wants to do this. Um, I just don't see it, dude. I, it, I really it, don't. To me, I don't either. Um, I mean, maybe enough money will talk and maybe a piece of ownership or something like that will convince him. Uh, but to me, I don't. I think Theo's doing the right thing, taking a meeting as everyone should. I mean, Steve Cohen has enough money, but David Stearns is the one to me that makes the most sense for this team for the long term. Um, and, you know, Steve Cohen has to be prepared if they can somehow convince into a meeting that, hey, you're going to be here for the long term. Like David Stearns has to be able to say to Steve Cohen, if we make the playoffs one out of the next four years, am I getting fired? And the answer needs to be no. I know that winning is what Steve Cohen wants and it's what we all want. But if you want to build that sustainable culture, if you want to build the East Coast Dodgers or whatever you want to call us, like people forget the Dodgers who have the best ownership group in baseball took nine years to win a World Series and it was in a 60 game season. Yeah. Mickey Mouse World yeah, Series. Yeah. So like it took nine years and that's with seriously great ownership, but it's because they took time. They were patient. You know, it's not that the Dodgers were uncompetitive for most of it, but you have to let this whole system build up. It's not just prospects. It doesn't mean rebuild. It doesn't mean don't try to win. But Steve Cohen needs to quell some fears in the game that he is going to be overly impatient, uh, much like he is supposedly known to be in his hedge fund world. Uh, he needs to not be that way in baseball and he needs to certainly quell some of those things. But as far as the candidates themselves, uh, David Stearns to me is a top three, four executive in baseball. I mean, he's right up there with Eric Neander from Tampa Bay, Chris Antonetti from Cleveland, Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers. And there's a couple more too. But like to me, those are the cream of the crop of executives in baseball. David Stearns, he has one year left on his contract uh, with Milwaukee. So Milwaukee, I don't think would just willingly say you can have access to him. I think David Stearns would have to go to the owner and say, I want the Mets job. And he could use that as uh, a bargaining chip to get a bigger contract extension in Milwaukee. Um, or he could genuinely mean it and take that meeting because I think if he went to the owner and asked, I don't think they would stop him. Um, so I think that's that's the one to watch. I know that uh, Andy Martino over at SNY said yesterday when they were talking about Rojas that there's some belief there might be a better chance for Stearns this year than there was last year. Um, and I believe personally that he is the Mets' preferred target over Billy Bean, over Theo Epstein, and they'd be willing to wait to get those permissions because they have to wait until Milwaukee's eliminated from the playoffs, which could be next week, could be in a month or whenever the World Series is. You know, Mets aren't there. I don't pay attention to what those dates are. Uh, 
Billy Bean, of course, has the history with Sandy Alderson. He has he knows Steve Cohen to some level. They know each other. Um, will he move cross country? Some think, nah, I don't think so. And some think, yeah, definitely. He he has interest in this Mets job, and he certainly uh, could have denied yesterday. And he had a quote to one of the uh, local papers out there in Oakland and asked about the Mets job and could have quite easily said no and did not. So he didn't say yes, but he didn't say no. Uh, So Bean, to me, feels the most likely uh, of those three if they are to hire from that group. Um, But for me personally, I'm hoping that they could somehow figure a way to get David Stearns here. I'm with you all the way, and I'm also not overly optimistic or confident that it's going to happen. As you said, it's you know it seems like a too good to be true scenario, and I look at it from Stern's angle of why take that leap of faith now. Now, this goes back to your point about Steve Cohen kind of needing to show that he can hire the best and he can sway people and he can make deal Godfather deals that can't be turned down now you know because with Stearns you look at it right 36 years old he's the he's the president of baseball operations in Milwaukee obviously a very successful franchise right now a place like you alluded to in the beginning that you know they can have a bad year and it's not like everybody comes for your throat right away where with the in the New York media the GMs of teams just get slaughtered pretty quickly there's not a long leash here and he'll have to ask himself, one, if he thinks it's a situation that he can come here and win. Two, of course, the financial aspect, because realistically, Cohen's going to Cohen should be able to blow other teams out of the water in what he can offer. And that's not just your paycheck, by the way. I think that's something that I find intriguing is you're going to have budgets in resources that you didn't even know existed. And I don't know the infrastructure of the Brewers to say that, you know, oh, it's I'm not calling them like a poverty franchise or anything like that. I'm sure they're they're pretty well run, obviously. But like let's be real with the A's. The A's have a, a stadium that's literally falling apart. We all know what's going on in Oakland where I find it remarkable that Billy Bean is still there, to be honest with you. And you know, I know some of that it has to do with being local, like, you know, staying in the area and all those things. Um, I, I I kind of find it surprising that, like, this is maybe the year he finally leaves. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, he'll be turning 60 years old before next season starts. And he's like, God, I, I want one. Like, how could you not at this point if you're Billy Bean? I want one. And I, I've come to realize that I am just too handicapped here and, and I have an opportunity um, with a guy he clearly trusts in Sandy Alderson to go on and, and maybe get it done. So there's so much to take away from all these. And, and I just kind of glossed over Theo there because, I, and maybe I'll be wrong, I don't really buy in that, you know, and I think it makes sense for Theo to take the meeting and I think it makes sense for the Mets to talk to Theo because, you number one, you're not talking to anyone else right now, right? I mean, let's be real. They're, they're not talking to anyone else right now. So do your due diligence. Um Theo actually might have a lot to offer you even if he doesn't want the job. He's obviously a very plugged-in guy across baseball that might even help you a little bit in terms of what he's giving back and what feedback he's giving back to you and and asking him questions. And it never hurts for Steve Cohen to get to know a guy like Theo Epstein. So 
there's so much to unpack here. I think now, before we get into the timeline of this, we had a really good mailbag question I wanted to bump up to the front from an insane Mets fan uh, who said, besides the main three candidates being reported, who we just went over, he said, who else could you guys see as targets for the job? I think someone like Scott Harris of the Giants is intriguing. Are, are there any names, Harris included, Joe, that you think might sneak into this conversation if those top three, you know, can't let's be real they have to be lord here and that's that's a that is far from a guarantee as we've learned in the past so if you're trying to fill a president of baseball operations job it's got to be a pretty unique individual um so to me i think they were close to getting an interview with chernoff from cleveland last year um so i think if you if you whiff on the three that you really want to me the next call should be chernoff uh, there's rumors that Josh Burns is of interest. He was a former GM. Now he's uh, senior vice president of baseball ops with the Dodgers. So he's uh, obviously helping out a, a good organization over there. Um, how about, you know, we're talking about Milwaukee and how great David Stearns is. His number two, Mark Arnold, is certainly a very bright mind, um, analytically driven, someone who could potentially make some sense if if you don't want to go or if you're not able to go the Stearns route. It, I I just think at this point, Steve Cohen's got to find a way to get one of these three. And, you know, there's some names and, you know, I'm sure if I really, really think there's some other people that are intriguing too, but I don't want to be in a position again where the Mets are picking their sixth pre- preference, their seventh preference or anything like that. Like if these are your three preferences, do what you have to do to close the deal. I mean, Steve Cohen's been closing deals on everything his whole life. Now's the time to show that you can do it. Last year, you had the excuse that you got a late start. You just got in as owner, yada, yada, yada. Like, you got to show it now. That's my perspective is there There should not be a situation in which, you know, David Stearns, Billy Bean, or Theo Epstein, there should not be a situation that one of those guys are not running the Mets. Totally. I mean, there's no argument for me here. I think there's also a side to it of optics. And I don't mean in a negative way. I mean, in a good way that, you know, from an optics perspective, you want to be a powerhouse team, right? You want to be an East Coast powerhouse team. Well, they have a it's a lot, right? That's why I found myself not panicking or the sky is falling when the Mets didn't win the division this year. Was I disappointed? Yes. Was the second half Pretty much a disaster. There's no denying that. But in the small picture as a fan, I was, you know, it's crushing. Big picture, it's like, well, this is the first year of Steve Cohen's ownership. Like, the backlash shouldn't be going towards Steve Cohen. Now, you, you're you trying to clean up the mess that you inherited from the Wilpon era, which was um, disaster after disaster, and Major League Baseball definitely shares a big blame of allowing that to go on as long as it did. It's It's borderline shameful. But here we are. This is the reality of the situation. And one way to, you know, really accelerate the process of moving on from that era is getting one of these big dogs that kind of knows what needs to be done. And of course, Sandy Alderson, you know, has a lot of success and has a lot of experience. But we said it from the beginning and Sandy has said it himself. He didn't come here to run the baseball personnel side of things. Sandy kind of was the 
overhead of the entire franchise, really a an ear for Cohen, a voice for Cohen, but they need somebody that's in the nitty-gritty of the baseball operations of constructing not just a championship roster, but a farm system that had almost no assets in it when this team was purchased. So there's just so much to unpack here. Um, so the final question I have for you, Joe, as we wrap up this conversation for this week, because we're going to be following this very closely, is what do you think the timeline of this thing is like? Because, I mean, we know how quick free agency starts. Do you think we have this, you know, this person hired uh, within the month? Yes. I think firm. The, yes. Uh, firm. Yes. I think the president of baseball operations or if they if they don't get one of these three, they may quit on that title again, whatever. But the person that's running baseball operations, I firmly believe we will know who it is before the calendar flips to November. Um, does that mean they agree to terms with someone on October 30th and the press conference is November 2nd? Maybe, but um, th- I firmly believe it will happen this month. Um, and to me, the things you were speaking about organizationally, what's really important that I think I hope that they know this too. You need to stop firing people. <laughs> like they're going on their fourth manager. They're going on, you know, their fourth general manager slash baseball operations person in just a couple years. Like you have to have patience. You have to have continuity. Um, a lot of bad hires though. Yeah. To be oh, fair. I'm not saying they're not, you know, not saying they were good hires by any means. Obviously, Jared Porter had to go, and I understand Zach Scott will probably go, and Brody wasn't great, but you you need to give time, especially if you're going to hire one of these big fish. You got to give these people lots of time, and they've got to be able to build up an infrastructure where you're not changing out player development staff every year. You're not changing out, you know, somehow the scouting department is one of the only things that survived all this time. Um, it's never gone anywhere. Tommy Tanis and Mark Tremuda, they do a great job. So, um, But outside of that, everything is changing. Organizational philosophy is changing every year. You have to, if you want to be the East Coast Dodgers or the East Coast dominant team, you need to have sound leadership, continuity for years, preaching the same organizational philosophy year in and year out for years. Like, you know, minor leaguers, can't be told to do one thing this year and then another thing next year. Uh, there's got to be like a Mets way. And I'm confident with uh, Jeremy Barnes. I always have to pause before I say his name because I say Jacob Barnes. And um, that that wouldn't be very Home nice. Run to, Derby, Jacob yeah, Barnes. Yeah, wouldn't be very nice. But uh, yeah, that's my perspective is let's make a hire here that and that goes for manager as well that. You don't get bullied by the media if things don't go great um, right away. And you give this time to grow because it takes a while for an organization to become what you need it to be. So I'm very excited to see how this month goes, uh, how they build up this front office, how they build up the coaching staff. Um, I believe Jeremy Hefner will remain. I think everyone else is subject to go. Um, But it's going to be a very eventful month month that's for sure no doubt about that it's just going to be you know really new face of the franchise in a sense and I mean that I should say faces of the franchise when you have the fact that you know the the press conference from the new player uh, from the new president and then 
introduced a, a new manager and then obviously a lot of big time player decisions that we discuss week after week and and we're going to continue to do that because why stop right now but before we get into some of the internal free agents external free agents it goes without saying that we are all missing travel right now but you know what else we're missing getting more with priceline you can save up to 60 percent on your favorite hotels and you can also get exclusive deals on car rentals flights and more and when you save more you can do more more wow this view is incredible more Mmm, another round of room service, please. More, yes, I'm extending my vacation. Sorry, boss, if you're listening, just ignore that last part. Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book your next one, check out Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more wow, mmm, and yes, just to name a few. Make sure to download the Priceline app for even more savings. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, first question of the week is from iTunes. So thank you for the iTunes reviews. We've got four new iTunes reviews. Only two of them had questions, So which is... Um, you know, very nice of everyone to leave us those reviews and even the people that don't even want a question answered taking the time. This is from ASVP Tolan, who asked, where do you see Khalil Lee fitting into the Mets plans for 2022? Which we don't talk about Khalil Lee a lot. And, and you know, it's a great day to talk about him because I think he was uh, announced as an all-star. Is that when they do these things? Right. Yeah. Now, Joe? Yeah. So they didn't have um, all-star games in the minor leagues this year. So at the end of the season, each uh, level or league or whatever just named their all star, much like a Pro Bowl in, in the NFL, where like right, yeah. you get named at the end of the year and there's kind of a game, but no one really does it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just this year. I think next year they're planning on having All Star Game back, which was you know mid season. Uh, the they've switched up the leagues now, so I won't even be able to remember. But it used to be like the International League versus the Pacific Coast League. And that was a triple A. So like there's two triple A's for like West Coast teams and then East Coast teams. And you would make all, two teams. They'd meet at a major league ballpark and play. Um, but yeah, clearly made the all-star team this year for triple A. Um, set a Syracuse record, you know, not just Syracuse Mets, Syracuse from when they were with other organizations, a record with a 451 on base percentage. Uh, so 
Kalili has a good eye at the plate. Um, obviously, has some swing and miss. Uh, power is there, raw power. I mean, all you have to do is look on my Twitter. I tweeted out probably every home run he hit this year. Um, when he hits him, he really hits him. Uh, from my perspective, I think the best plan is to have Khalil Lee as a fourth outfielder type of option next year. I think I'm okay with with that rather than sending him back to AAA for another season of full play. I'd like to see him on the big league roster. I think off the bench, his speed. So even though he only stole, uh, what is it? eight bases this year in 2019 he stole 53 so there's speed there it's not elite speed but he can run um they just didn't run as much in the mets organization as the royals organization is something that he basically told us on mets perspective uh i look at him fourth outfielder got some pop got some speed can play all three outfield spots his best tool is his arm so he has a really really good arm um I'm excited about him. I still think he has upside to be a starter, but if the Mets are going into spring training, penciling Khalil Lee as your everyday anything, um, I don't think that's necessarily the best sign. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's, it's a good depth piece to have, right? And that's something that they really lacked this year. You know, it's it's going to be interesting how the Mets spend money because we did see an emphasis on adding guys like when they brought in, you know, Pilar as a fourth outfielder and even Almora as a fifth outfielder and, and VR as the super utility guy, you know, how did they attack free agency this year in those kind of roles when you have a player like Lee that we don't know if he'll do it on the big league level, we haven't seen it yet, but was tremendous when he went back down to AAA and made huge strides across the board. So I think it's one of those things where, it would be nice. Now, you know, he's 23 years old, still a young guy. I mean, he, he broke out and he turned 23 in June. So he'll enter his, you know, spring training as a 23 year old. Uh, I, I think it's a good player to have as a, you know, hey, hey, if we lose someone, we have this guy in AAA that we think can show us something. We know he can play good defense in the outfield, which is, you know, really important for any bench out, you know, outfielder. Uh, but can he hit at all? If he can, he, he's your fourth outfielder of the future, which is something that would be exciting to get out of him considering uh, how that trade went down. And it's good to have, you know, they really had nothing in AAA this year from the farm system. He, he's going to have to be, uh, he's really the guy. So I'm excited to watch Khalil Lee. The next one from Statman725, also on iTunes. Thank you, Statman. Said, how would you feel about Starling Marte in possibly left or center field? Um, I like Starling Marte a lot. I really didn't realize until I just, I ironically was looking into him yesterday. Did you oh. realize? Not even just that. Like, I mean, he's turning, I knew he was turning 33. I knew like it, roughly what his age was. Did you realize that he stole 47 bases this year? I did not until I literally just yeah. pulled up his uh, baseball reference page when you started to talk about him after I read the question. Yeah, he had a fanta um, fantastic season. Uh, remarkable, and, yeah. honestly. And to be honest. And not the first time he's done that. No. I mean, he's a ball player. Uh, I think Stalling Marte fits this team really well. Uh, I'd be actually quite interested in signing him. I think at 33 you're probably able to get a shorter term deal with him. Um, I think the money will still be pretty good, but I think as far as length, it'll be shorter. And the Mets need to 
get in the mindset too of it's not just about the big stars. It's not just no. about the big long-term deals because yes, the Mets are going to blow past the luxury tax this year. There's no way around it. They're going to, um, but every team, including the Dodgers position their payroll so they can drop back under for a year because you can't just go over to luxury tax every year for eternity. The penalties get worse and worse and worse every time you go over. Um, you know, we'll see how the new CBA looks, but you have to operate as if there's going to be some something somewhat similar um, as far as the penalty system goes. Uh, Marte could be like a good in-between instead of signing a Nick Castellanos or a Chris Bryant who are going to take a long-term big money deal. Maybe you get Marte for three years and that's the kind of deal that, all right, we'll go over the tax for the next couple of years and we'll be positioned to get back under for a year and then hop back over again. Uh, after that. So yeah, Stalling Barte fits his team. Great. He's a, he hits left-handers. Um, he can run, uh, he could play a couple spots in the outfield. So if you want him in center, you could, um, if you're happy with Nimmo, then you could play him in left or right. So I think, uh, yeah, I think Stalling Marte is a fantastic idea. I think so too. It's, it's someone that we really don't bring up and we, we had a lot of questions about him. That's why I was glad you know, not only the iTunes one getting answered, but the fact that people are talking about him, a really interesting player, a veteran player. Um, and I think something you and I have not talked about enough about this off season is because so much of it depends on how they handle their internal free agents. <laughs> but how do you handle the puzzle that is the Mets, right? And what I mean by that is you're not just looking at it and going, let's sign the four top free agents to a billion dollars and, and put that team on the field you're looking at how do the pieces fit with one another. And, and as we saw with the 2021 Mets, uh, complete headache, they had a complete lack of contact problem throughout the year where they could not get guys in from third base with less than two outs. And a lot of situations similar to that where, you know, they couldn't make contact with runners in scoring position. And you're going to have to get creative in free agency where not every signing might warrant a, a Twitter uh, celebration or, uh, you know, even a press conference or even, you know, just all the praise in the world because it's a no brainer, but the ones that, Hey, how do we make a good balanced baseball team? And obviously the guys that they're interviewing for the president position have excelled at that. They've built, yeah. you know, look at those rosters for all the teams that they've oversaw. There's never, uh, you know, eight sluggers in the lineup. It's not how it is. So Marte is somebody that, you know, hits 300, gets on base, steals bases, and plays tremendous defense. So it's, you know, and it's interesting too because they're going to have to do their own internal research and figure out what Nimmo is going to cost because I love Nimmo and I hope, you know, I hope Nimmo, I kind of hope Nimmo's here, but I, there's also the half of me that doesn't love that Nimmo's always banged up and can you rely on him and how much money can you dedicate to him when it's extension time? And if you're not going to, meet his asking price or accept your fate that he is, you know, not reliable as great as he is, then you need insurance. And Starling Marte would be an insurance signing if you got him on one of those two to three year deals. So I, I don't know. It's an it's an interesting name in free agency amongst many. Hear, hearing you say I love Brandon Nimmo. How, yeah, I should take that back. How how the turntables, as Michael uh. Scott once said, uh yeah, Nimmo is a guy that wants to be here, and the Mets should be considering a contract extension for him. You have to consider the injury history as part of it, no question. But perhaps 
that helps you financially. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that goes. Uh, and you mentioned the front office guys and that spur- spurred a thought in my head. I'm not paying David Stearns, Theo Epstein, Billy Bean, 10 plus million dollars. If I'm Steve Cohen, I'm not paying them 10 plus million dollars a year to just come here and use my checkbook. I want you to no. like who's Max- I could do that. Yeah. Who's Max Muncy? Like, find me, find me our Max Muncy, like guy that you get off the scraps that our analytics team thinks there's something there and actually making him into something like that's what I'm hiring you for. That's what I'm paying you the big money for. It's super easy to sign the stars. Anyone in the world can do that. Steve Cohen could probably do that himself. Like he wouldn't even need a GM. If the job was just hire the uh, sign the best players, Steve Cohen could just call meetings with, you know, every person's agent and say, hey, man, what's it going to take? OK, deal <laughs> done. Like it doesn't take much uh, or at least nearly as much. So you, that's what you're trying to get out of the new executive. And I think a lot of Mets fans. You know, the smart ones won't, but a lot of them, I think, will be disappointed if it's not another star loaded offseason. But it's going to be what they do internally. Like you said, it's going to be huge if they keep, you know, Javi Baez and they keep Marcus Stroman. That's two guys that's over 20 million dollars a year. Uh, If they qualifying offer Syndergaard or give them something close to it, whatever, that's another expensive player. I don't think at that point it's realistic to think that they're going to go issue another five-year, six-year, 20-plus million-dollar player. Like, unfortunately, I just that just wouldn't be in the cards. So that's where the smart executive will come in and hopefully fill out the rest of the roster with smartly spent money. Yeah, that's what you have to do. I mean, that's the challenge of this league in general, even without a true salary cap, you still need to find ways to do that. So, you know, we're going to have to, and I think after the show, we're going to start getting into, and maybe not next show, but soon enough, the, the really tier two, three and four free agents, rather than just doing the dance around, you know, Javi Baez, Correa, all the top free agents over and over and over again. So, all right. Speaking of free agents, the next question from Mets fan 04 says, do you think Marcus Stroman is the best free agent starting pitcher this offseason? Max Scherzer. That's it. Gossman? He's not. Uh, it's, I think Stroman and Gossman are actually quite similar, to be honest. Okay. I mean, they're different, like obviously as pitchers themselves. But as far as like quality, I think Stroman and Gossman are on a pretty pretty similar level. Uh, I'd say Stroman's certainly one of the top two, three, four, five pitchers I, I know you got a couple of the older guys like Clayton Kershaw is he healthy what's he got left Justin Verlander coming off Tommy John that's a you know certainly an option who's probably gonna sign a one-year deal somewhere um, Stroman's about to earn his money I mean you know there's a lot of stuff always said about Marcus Stroman left and right but you know for everything that we talked about all year about pitchers and innings limits and pitch counts and everything because of the shortened season. Marcus Stroman, one of the players who did not play last year at all, led major leagues and starts through innings. You know, Marcus Stroman's uh, very, very reliable. And he's the type of guy that I think is worth an investment uh, simply because of the way he takes care of himself. Uh, he's not the type of guy that, you know, there you always hear stories, right? Of people that get longer term, big money deals and, Mail it in is not the best term, but maybe are not quite as motivated as they were when they weren't making this kind of money. 
Uh, Strowman, I think it's just in his DNA to do it. So uh, obviously you have the Twitter stuff and all that that some people don't like and some fans are turned off by. I personally don't care about that stuff. I'm a Mets fan. I want to see the Mets win, and I think Marcus Stroman would help them do so. Yeah, no, I'm with you all the way. I, I don't know. You know, that's a, it's a tricky question because is he the best player? Is he the best free agent? You know, because there's a difference, right? Like, I agree Scherzer is far and away. It's not even yeah. close. Right. But when you just look at the age and the factor of, like, the projected cost, and, and Stroman's fascinating to me because I, I really don't know what he's going to get. It wouldn't shock me, you know, I, I would I be shocked if he got like a five-year, $100 million deal, even to yeah. be honest with you. I, I think the deal would, from an AAV standpoint, would start with a two. It's just, yeah. is it is it just 20 itself? Like you said, like 500 would just be 20, or is it upwards of 24? I don't know. Um, but that's certainly a market I hope the Mets are heavily involved in. And um, But Stroman's a dude that, you know, he's going to make his decision and, and I don't know if his decision's fully driven on money, uh, certainly based on what his character appears to be. I don't know if money is the main driving force, but it's certainly still going to cost a pretty penny to keep him. My take on Stroman is, and I have no problem with this because I think anybody, or a lot of people, not anybody, but a lot of people want this. I think Stroman wants to be wanted. I think he wants a team to come out and separate themselves from the rest of the free agent groups, offer the most money, and really have a plan that, you know, he's obviously interested in, whether that's, you know, that's going to be winning. Because let's be real, winning also affects him in terms of a guy that really cares about his personal brand. And I don't mind that at all. I mean, go prioritize what you want to prioritize now my, yeah my perspective yeah. on branding and that do that as long as you're doing your job on the field you could do whatever totally. the, whatever you as long as you ain't getting in trouble do whatever the heck you want to do when you're not there but when you step between those lines you know i expect you to perform to the level that you are capable of and stroman certainly showed that he can balance both of those i kind of wish a certain linebacker on the dallas cowboys uh, could balance his brands and his football exactly the same, but uh, Jalen Smith seems to not be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's tricky. I, I think I like Marcus Stroman a lot, and I want Marcus Stroman to be here next year. I also, while trying to be rational, right? Now that the season's over, I've had a minute to step back and try to be rational about things. I do think there's a line that I would draw if I was the Mets that I, and you need a plan. You can't just say, Hey, we're not going to go to that number for Marcus Stroman. But I do think there is a line where if he reaches just an insane market and you can maybe trade for a number three starter with all these players that you apparently might move on from, that might be something I'm more interested in. And, and I, once again, this isn't me saying move on from Stroman. I'm just saying there has to be decisions drawn somewhere. You can't, just because they're internal free agents, right? Baez, who I think, to me, Baez is the only internal free agent, and maybe Loop, but that's a different conversation because relievers are relievers. 
Baez to me is the only free agent internally that I, I, it will be very hard for me to get over them not getting it done. And everyone else, I think in a way you can cover it up. I think you can trade for a starter and I don't know who that is, but we see it every single off season with teams uh, that can take over Stroman's role. Not going to be easy, not going to be easy, but you can do it. And guess I what? Think with, yeah. You have you have that smart front office that we're talking about. Who they find, can do it? Find me Robbie Ray, who signed one year, Bingo. eight million dollars, and he's going to win the Cy Young. Well, this leads to another yeah. combo. This is a team that should be dominating the one year deal market. Am yes. I wrong? You are one hundred percent correct. It's dominating, espe- especially when you're going over a luxury tax. Who you cares? Should be, Who you cares? Should be, you should be signing every awesome player or any player that's taking a one-year deal that has talent. You should be scooping them up, hundred percent. And it doesn't yeah. affect your luxury tax long term, but it helps you win now. Seems like the perfect, uh, perfect me- uh, mesh there. Yeah, I, I'm all the way. And I know we played that game last year. Remember, we were really looking at um, Kluber, a oh, ton of guys. This James podcast. James Paxton. We were, and, Paxton. Uh, uh, and they ended up with Taiwan Walker, who got a, a really savvy multi-year deal. And I think when I say savvy, I mean for the Mets. And I know Walker had a bad second half, but I- I'm very glad that Taiwan Walker will be here next year. And I think it's a market they have to enter again and, and really attack. And that can that'll probably play with the bullpen too, right? Like why not? And I'm sure he'll want a multi-year deal because when you're a reliever, get them when you can. They don't exist very often. But why not say, hey, Loop, we'll give you a one-year, $10 million deal, right? I mean, they they just need to, in my opinion, just go all in on the one-year market. There's guys you won't be able to do it with. Baez, you won't be able to do it with. Stroman, you won't be able to do it again. You can't do that again. But qualifying offer Conforto, qualifying offer Syndergaard, make juiced-up one-year deals to guys that project as fourth and fifth-year starter, uh, fourth and fifth starters. Do it for relievers. Do it for utility guys. If VR has a deal out there that's a one-year, I mean a two-year, $22 million deal, offer them a one-year, $14 million deal. I don't care. Like that, I think that's the way they need to take advantage of the cash flow they have compared to other teams. I really don't have a problem with that plan. I think it it actually makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, the qualifying offer for Syndergaard has obviously been a discussion, um, and it it's a no-brainer. I mean... I was talking to someone the other day and asked about Syndergaard open market, said he'd easily get $15 million without a question for a year on the open market. Uh, Maybe a little more, but certainly that to your point of it's one year, it doesn't matter. And this is a guy that is openly saying how he wants to come back to the Mets. Like what kind of message are you sending if you worry about the qualifying offer and $4 million for a year for someone who wants to be here. Uh, to me, it makes no sense to not extend the qualifying offer. And uh, I expect the Mets to do so. All right. Well, speaking of just that, uh, Aurelio Morales asks us if the Mets don't sign Michael Conforto, who could they get to try and fill that outfield position? Obviously we talked about Marte earlier. I know you've mentioned playing Chris Bryant in right field Man, I'm going to be honest, not much else intrigues me in this outfield market. What about you? Not a lot. Uh, so maybe that's where you get creative with the trade of a J.D. Davis or a Dominic Smith or, you know, Jeff McNeil, you know, maybe. I don't know. I think I think McNeil's going to bounce back, so I'd prefer to keep him. But, you know, you should listen on virtually everybody. 
to me, I think it's either a trade or a Starling Marte, something like that. Or, you know, I know it's it's very easy for me in this chair to say, hey, new smart baseball operations guy, find me a useful outfielder for cheap. Like everyone every, does it every the year. Braves trade yeah. deadline. Yeah. Like Jorge Soler and guys like like find me a useful outfielder. Not I know everyone wants superstars at every position and in an ideal world you have that, but here on earth you can't. So where can you find a quality player that, you know, uh, likely is gonna be worse than Michael Conforto? The reason you're probably getting him for a shorter term, lesser money deal, but a player that's gonna help and maybe just change the outlook of the lineup. Like you said, can you find someone that's more contact approached? Uh, that's, you know, going to put the ball in play when there's a runner in scoring position and one out and not strike out every time. So it'll be interesting to see how they look. But, you know, Starling Marte is the one that kind of jumps to me. Yeah, I think it makes sense because it goes back to the combo we just had. Doesn't he feel like one of those guys that can be enticed by a juiced up one year deal at his age? I mean, he's already played out a five-year deal. It's possible. Um, yeah, I think there's there's going to be way more options than we kind of see right now because uh, obviously there's going to be non-tenders that happen too that, you know, everyone likes to laugh at the non-tender market, but go ahead and look at what Carlos Rodon did this year after getting non-tendered. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have more free agents than you currently see. Uh Depending on the CBA, that's going to affect non-tenders too. Like, what's the salary situation? Um, is there going to be a salary floor? And if there's a salary floor where you have teams that need to spend a lot of money, I know that I've seen a couple people speculate on Twitter, and you know, I, I certainly don't want to get too much on this. But if there's teams that have like thirty million dollar payrolls that badly need to spend money, could you convince them to take a higher percentage of Robinson Cano. Cano's money? Just because, just because they have to spend, right? Like if you tell the, I, I forget, I was looking the other day. It was like the Orioles, one of those teams, lowest payroll in baseball is like forty million. If you set a floor of a hundred, they have to find a way to spend sixty million dollars. Can you entice them to take? I man, I don't set, think I don't think it can work like that in the CBA. I think it would have to be a gradual increase over three years. True. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. you're making a great point because right. it's it's been discussed, but man. Could you imagine if they did that? Somebody would go out and give Javi Baez $40 million a year. Yeah. Carlos Correa would get his money. Um, But guess what? That's what the MLBPA wants. <laughs> so it may, may not be what yeah. MLB wants, though. That's that's why the, that's why I'm what I feel very strongly about is, you know, I, baseball will happen next spring. We're not going to have a strike. But I firmly believe there will be a work stoppage. I think when the CBA expires, there won't be a new one in place. And unless they sign some kind of contingency thing, uh, I think come December, you're going to have a gap of frozen acquisitions. It makes a ton of sense. And it'll be really awkward for us. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about we'll rumors that like cannot occur. Yeah, the rumor market will be turning or maybe not at all moving and we'll be sitting here hoping, 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 um, you know, which kind of makes me wonder. I'll I'll close out the show with this question from me. If you're a player, a big time player, right? Not like a, you know, because we're seeing some really tiered, 
the lowest tier free agents actually getting extensions done right now. You know, like Alcides Escobar kind of guys. Um, if you're a, a big dog, like a Baez, like a Correa, are you motivated to get, you know, a deal done before you just sit and wait until the agreement's made because you just, you think there's a chance that there could be more money on the table because of what the new CBA looks like? Yeah, I'm sitting back. If I'm Javi Baez, right. Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, you, you Conforto even, um, I'm sitting back with my feet up and I'm saying. What about the QO? How does that play into it? So the QO, uh, so basically how it works is the collective bargaining agreement expires December 1st. Um, the qualifying offers are need to be accepted within five days of the World Series or whatever ending. Like there's a timeline in which the qualifying offer needs to be accepted. So uh, it's not like you can offer the qualifying offer and then Conforto could sit on it for a month. Um, they had, they do have to make a decision. Uh, it may be That's 10 days. game changer. It may be 10 days, but basically what Sandy Allerson said in his press conference the other day was, up until December 1st, everything is operating on the previous CBA's rules. So um, if there is a change to the qualifying offer, if there's a change to anything like that, that's unimpacted uh, this offseason. That would go into effect essentially next year. Um, and I agree, you're seeing extensions this month, and uh, I think you're going to see more across baseball. And to me, if you're the Mets, it's prime Aaron Loop time. Like, get Aaron Loop done this month. Get him done before any of this and yeah. give him that – Two year, 10 million, 12 million, whatever, almost Trevor May money. Like, go ahead, get it over with, move on. Um, he needs to be a part of this team. But yeah, the CBA is going to be, it's going to put quite a wrinkle into this offseason that I think, uh, I think it'll positively impact the stars, right? Um, but it's going to be interesting for like the middle class of free agency and the lower middle class of free agency. Like, are those guys motivated to sign early because they don't, yeah, don't know, wait. They don't know what their future holds. Javi Baez knows whether I wait, I'm getting $25 million a year, basically, no matter what. Uh, same for Correa and guys like that. It's like, might as well wait and see if that number could increase because of a salary floor or something to that extent. Um, but the run of the mill back end starters, they may be like, I want to get a job. Yeah, you want the big league contract. You don't want the invite to mm -hmm. spring training, you know, exactly. minor league options filled deals. So, all right. Um, that is our show. Obviously, a lot to discuss and more to discuss because news will trickle out on these interviews and, you know, what rumblings are going on with the actual players on the team. And, and, and it'll be it's really going to be a crazy stretch really from here until, you know, I want to say forever, but there'll be a little bit of a dead period uh, towards the end of the off season, but it's going to be a little bit of a sprint right now. Hopefully that stoppage does not happen. Although I'm kind of with you, Joe, that I think it will. But anyways, episode 62, closing thoughts. Uh, another great episode. Uh, thanks for the reviews. We got the questions. That's great. Please keep those coming. Uh, if you ask a question in your review on, Apple Podcasts. We're guaranteeing that we will answer it in the show. Um, check out the YouTube channel, which obviously we mentioned we put out the Luis Rojas uh, video yesterday. Um, subscribe to that YouTube channel, set the notifications, all that stuff, so that way you know when we're putting things out. Um, and try to go live. We're going to try to go live pretty soon, I think. I mean, I had a few people when I tweeted about 
the YouTube video, people were like, what time are you going live? And I was just like, <laughs> eh, no, no, we're, no. Not, we're not going live. <laughs> but I'm thinking I'm, I'm good at like volunteering your time. Uh, I volunteered that you would do the YouTube <laughs> short basically at the end of the season. I'm thinking, you know, before the president of baseball operations is hired, we got to do it at least one live video where we hop on and basically do your mailbag live and in person. So, uh, awesome. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's the plan. I'm all the way in. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're black. It's the story of a decades-long struggle of Black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dawes. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.